Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome, welcome to Health Checkup today. We appreciate you. Um, We played a little game called Hide and Go Seek in (laughs) Zoom Rooms. Um, We apologize for that. As we all know, um, we are new in this business of Zoom Rooms. And we did have the post submitted correctly. And then there was a switcheroo that occurred. But you know what? As always, this community is awesome. And when we desire something, we achieve it. And we made it happen. So thank you, Debbie. Thank you, Tyson. Thank you, Janine. Thank you, Dan. And thanks (laughs) to Cindy. And well, let's just say the whole ACB community. So for those of you. (laughs) Hey, Jay. Hello, I finally got myself here. (laughs) Yeah. And hopefully everybody else could find yourself here too. (laughs) Well, you know, the ones that are the luckiest are the ones that are listening to us on ACB (laughs) community stream. They didn't have to chase us down. They just had to make a communication with either their Victor or their Lady Aid (laughs) or their computer. Meanwhile, we were running around having fun trying to find what room we moved to. So on that note, we are going to be awesome and start our call. Um, I'm going to go get your host and I'll be back. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Janine. You're welcome. Um, just wanted to say to everybody, um, hi, my name is Terry. Um, I am the facilitator of this call. And my counterpart, Jay. My name is Jay. And we're going to talk a little bit about s- saving somebody's life. And not just CPR can save a life, but talking a little bit about suicide. Suicide is the eighth leading cause of death. So you can help save a life by talking to somebody and helping them out. And we're going to have people from the National Suicide Society here to help talk to us. Hopefully they find their way here because I know that they were on the other part. There are approximately 50,000 people that attempt it. That means once every 40 seconds, somebody tries to commit suicide and 30,000 people succeed in this. So helping people, just like CPR, you're helping somebody. You can help somebody by saving somebody's life by helping them. And just to share the statistics, it's not a United States thing. This is a global epidemic. There are more people that have committed suicide in Japan, China, and especially Korea than they've had people that have died from coronavirus. There is actually in the last 90 days, they have lost over 30 K-pop singers. K-pop are Korean pop stars. So this is not just our country. This is a global epidemic. And the most important thing is, is that we remember we're all human first. And the second thing to remember is when we lose hope, we have that moment of disparity. We have that moment of loneliness the moment that of pain that you can't take anymore, we need to make sure we take a deep breath and realize that suicide is a permanent decision on a temporary situation because the present is never going to be here again. It's going to move to the past and we have a future to look forward to. So what's important is, is this is just the beginning of this talk that we're doing for our community of the American Council of the Blind. And we have uh, two or three lovely um, guests. Jay, how many guests do we have today to help us with this discussion? And we just want you guys to know that the first 60 minutes of this call will be broadcasted. But then after that, the line will be open. So if you do want to discuss anything or need help with resources and stuff, Jay and I will hang out. Okay, so on that note, Jay, why don't you introduce our guest? Um, if actually, if they can introduce themselves, uh, I'm not sure exactly who is it. Who Lisa, I think, in uh, uh, Liz from Roberts. Counties. Oh, yes. hey, Liz, Hi. how are you? Thank oh, you good. so much for taking time out of your busy yes, day to help us with such here. an important subject. 
Yeah. Um, so yeah, Jay reached out um, to uh, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. It's one of the hotlines that we answer at the Seven Counties Crisis and Information Center. Um, and uh, asking for us to come talk today. And I have with me Rachel Lamaster and Shannon Cox, if you guys want to say hi. Uh, everyone's on mute, so you can unmute yourselves. Um, so yeah, we're going to talk to you a little bit about suicide prevention, give you a little information about um, like things to look for if someone might be suicidal, how to talk to someone who might be suicidal, and then how to take care of yourselves, uh, you know, getting through the holidays and just this pandemic and just in general. So um I'll start us off here. So um, one thing that we like to start off with when we talk about suicide is the language that we use. It's so important to consider the um, impact of what we say. And for so many years, um, we've used phrases like commit suicide, complete suicide, or failed suicide attempt. And it's not that there's anything necessarily wrong with those phrases, but they do have some negative connotations to them that we don't always think about. Um, you know, we think when you say the word commit, you think commit crimes, commit sins. Um, complete suicide sounds like it's something that you did right, you completed it or um, successful suicide. It's something that you were successful at. So um, instead, we like to use words like die by suicide, suicide loss, or suicide attempt. They're more accurate and less harmful to somebody who might be feeling suicidal. Um, and knowing and using appropriate language shows others that we are open, non-judgmental, non and willing to talk. So something good to think about. Um, now I'm going to talk a bit about risk factors for suicide. Um, risk factors are things that um, happen to a person that make them more at risk for suicide. So any loss that a person is dealing with, whether it be the death of somebody, um, divorce, separation, um, loss of job, home, money, status, self-esteem, um, so many losses people have experienced through the through the pandemic, um, those losses and the perceived loss that goes along with it are so um, important to look for. Um, also alcohol and drug abuse. Um, if a person is um, using those things in excess, that could be a risk for suicide, especially because it shows um, impulsivity. You know, when a person is under the influence, they're more likely to do something without thinking about it. Um, depression is also a risk factor, risk factor, risk factor for suicide. Um, it doesn't mean that necessarily everyone who's feeling depressed will be suicidal, just that they seem to go hand in hand an, um, an awful lot. And certainly if you see someone dealing with depression and there's a sudden improvement for no apparent reason, that could be a cause for concern. Um, we've seen people in the past who consistently um, present as depressed and, um, you know, one or two times they'll seem very upbeat, just not themselves. And on the one hand, you want to think of that as somebody's feeling better, or maybe their treatments are working, but it's also a cause for concern because when a person is deeply suicidal, they might not have the, um, the energy to go forward with a suicide plan. So they might be stuck at home in bed, unable to do anything to hurt themselves. So an improvement in those symptoms might be dangerous in that they might have the energy to go through with something. Uh, so just something to watch out for. Some other risk factors are uh, any kind of long-term or terminal illnesses. If people are dealing with something that limits their life, that uh, they feel like is going to bring their life to an end, again, it's their perception that matters the most. Um, that could be a risk for suicide. Also exposure to suicidal behaviors and of, of others. Um, we've seen that when someone loses a person to suicide, they are six times more likely to experience suicidal thoughts themselves. So having a close loss is a big concern. Um, any history of suicide attempts themselves, that shows us that there's a capability for harm. And that's certainly something to be concerned about, especially if it's something recent. Um, any history of trauma or abuse, just anything that um, might have shaped that person's life and development. Um, next, I'm gonna talk a second about warning signs. Um, these are a little different than risk factors. These are things that a person typically exhibits like thoughts or feelings. Um, some are feeling hopeless, you know, seeing no light at the end of that tunnel, um, feeling like you're a burden to others. I think that's a really big one. We notice that a lot at the crisis center. Um, 
sometimes it presents in people apologizing for having reached out. They might say they're sorry for taking up your time. They don't want to be a bother. You know, they may have plenty of supports in their lives, but not feel like they can reach out to anybody because of that strong feeling of burdensomeness. Um, any changes in sleep or eating habits, uh, statements suggestive of suicide. So uh, sometimes people say, you know, someone's been talking about suicide for years. They're, you know, they've been talking about it, but they've never done anything. So they're not really suicidal. Um, what I say in those cases is that it may be that they just haven't gotten to the point yet where they're going to act on those thoughts. It doesn't mean that they won't. It's just that it hasn't come yet. Um, and we look at suicide as a continuum from thoughts to action. And this continuum, it can take, um, it can be very brief. It can happen instantly, a person having a thought of suicide and acting on it, or it can take years to get to that point. So we need to take every warning sign risk factor seriously. Um, some other warning signs to look for, loss of interest in activities. If a person has been um, involved in activities and, um, you know, connections with other people and all of a sudden just stops responding to things, they stop going out and doing anything, that is a concern. Um, having excessive guilt or shame. You know, if you feel like you're not very worthwhile as a person, it's a lot easier to think about you not being here anymore. Um, also behaving recklessly. Um, if a person says they don't care if they live or die, you know, that's kind of a cry for help there. Um, also neglecting personal appearance. I know it's hard in the times of COVID um, to notice things like that. People don't feel like getting dressed up as much or doing anything. But um, if a person's severely depressed, they might not feel like getting out of bed brushing their hair, getting clean and taking care of themselves. So it's, you know, not one of those concerns. Um, and lastly, a dramatic change in personality. So anything about that person that just seems off and different, you got to go with your gut. You know, if you feel like someone, you know, it might be a risk for suicide, then it's important to reach out and try to help. Um, so I'm going to turn it over to Rachel now, who will tell us a little bit about how to do that, how to reach out and talk to someone about suicide. Rachel. Hi, I'm Rachel. Um, so yeah, how to talk to someone who is suicidal. So at the crisis line, we use a lot of active listening. Um, so focusing on the person's emotions and how the person perceives the situation rather than just focusing on um, like solving, solving the problem at hand. So a good example of that is we get a lot of teenagers that like to call and a lot of them are, are, feeling suicidal because of a breakup or because of something that might seem really little to us, but to them, it's, it's a really big deal. And so rather than going into, Oh, it'll be fine. You know, you'll be over it in, in a week. It, we just, we focus on the emotions that they're having around that situation. Um, you always want to talk to someone in a private setting about these thoughts. If you're going to ask them if they're having suicidal thoughts, just because that's going to make them more comfortable um, and opening up to you. Um, you want to give yourself and the person plenty of time to talk so you're not rushing through these thoughts that they're having. Um, and then you can also focus on what they're saying and, and take the time you need to really get a good idea of where they're at. Um, another good thing to do is practice using the word suicide and find a way to talk about it that's comfortable for you. So if you're not comfortable asking the person, are you having suicidal thoughts, um, then maybe practice that or maybe figure out why it is that you're not comfortable using that word we always like to ask directly on the on the hotline just because it's it's easy as in it hopefully takes some of that stigma away of you know feeling suicidal um and then just more things on how to talk to someone try not to use any leading questions so you're not thinking about suicide are you or negative statements about suicide i don't want you to do anything stupid um share your concern let them know that you're worried about them and that you're here for them you care for them um, it's important not to assume that everyone thinking about suicide is an imminent danger, but also don't assume that just because they're not at risk because they haven't acted on them doesn't mean that they won't eventually act on them. So just because someone tells you they're having suicidal thoughts doesn't necessarily mean they need to be locked away. That's something I tell people a lot that call the crisis line. Um, it's, it's okay to voice those thoughts. It, if you can safety plan and talk through them and you're not already, you know, planning on acting on them or haven't done certain things leading up to acting on them, we can figure out a way to keep you safe. There's alternatives to the hospital. Um, 
if you can't talk to the person about suicide. So if it, it's going to affect your own mental health. So an example I like to use is if it's your ex-boyfriend or ex-girlfriend and you all have a bad history and it's going to be harmful for you to talk to them about these suicidal thoughts, um, then reach out to someone else like a professional or a family member of theirs that you trust or a, a mutual friend, somebody else that can step in and say, hey, I'm worried about this person. Can you reach out and see how they're doing? Um, and then suicide interventions, um, if the person is willing to talk to you and willing to get help, then that's already you've already taken a step in the right direction. Um, you can refer to per, refer the person to a crisis hotline. Um, so what we do or talk to a therapist, use online tools to find therapists they can get to. There's a crisis clinic. Um, they can talk to their primary care doctor who might be able to prescribe medication or refer to a therapist. Um, you can safety plan with the person. So a good thing is to have them write down the steps they can take to be safe. Um, it's good to have it written down something they can grab quickly in a crisis because if they start to feel worse, they might not be able to think, okay, well, we talked about reaching out to mom, you know, taking a walk, coloring, journaling. Um, if they have it written and easily accessible, it's going to be easier for them to use that safety plan. Um, and those can include things like people that they have for support, activities that can help them relax, and resources if things start to get worse. And those resources, so there's the suicide prevention hotline, which is the 24-7 um, suicide hotline. It's the 800-273-TALK. There's the crisis text line. So if you text HOME to 741-741, that's also a 24-7 resource. Um, of course, 911 or local non-emergency if you need somebody to do a wellness check, if you think someone might be in imminent danger. Um, and then lastly, a mental inquest warrant for involuntary treatment if you believe somebody is in immediate danger and they're refusing help. Um, and the courthouse can provide more information on that if it's something you feel like you need. Can you also then, call 211? So that is, yeah, you could. Um, that goes to Metro United Way, I believe. And that is, um, they do a lot of financial resources, but I'm sure that they could connect you as well. Um, so next up is Shannon. She's going to talk about self-care. Hello, everyone. Um, I'm here to talk about self-care today. And self-care is something that we don't practice a lot that we need and we should do. Um, it's important for your mental health and as well as the people around you. Um, something that I wanted to um, talk about, like self-care, some people go get their hair done, go get their nails done, go shopping as coping mechanisms to help them get through, you know, situations that they're going through. Um, but self-care should be individualized. Um, it's something that you like to do to take a break from stresses from work, family friends. Um, spending time with those people is also important, um, but it's not necessarily something that you have to spend money on. Like you could Netflix binge as a form of self-care or watch Lifetime. I know Lifetime has holiday movies 24 hours, seven days a week right now. So that's something good. Um, there's kind of 10 things that you can do to keep a have a better health, mental health life. Um, keeping active, drink sensibly, most important, ask for help. Don't be ever be ashamed or scared to reach out for help. You know, that's what we're here for on the crisis line and the suicide prevention hotline. When you're feeling not yourself and you need someone to talk to, we're here 24 hours a day, seven days a week for you to help you get through that crisis situation or just to talk. And you remain anonymous. We're non-judgmental. And we're here 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, keep in touch with family and friends is also important. Sometimes when you're not feeling yourself, people tend to isolate themselves from others. And that's not ever good. And that could also be a red flag. I think Liz mentioned that earlier. When people start to self-isolate, that can be a red flag that something's going on other than, you know, them having a bad day. Um, talk about your feelings to others, you know, have a family member or a friend that you can confide in and call up anytime to talk about what's going on and make sure you're eating well. Sometimes we tend to skip meals or, you know, have that bag of chips instead of fixing a sensible lunch or dinner. And that has a, an effect on your mood. You know, if you're not properly 
um, eating right, then, you know, your mood changes and you feel a little off. So make sure that you're eating right. Um, Take a break. It's okay to walk away. You know, you might be busy or your job may require you to stay focused and stay at your desk all, all, all day, but make sure you get up and you take breaks just to walk away. Um, like I said before, do something that you're good at, you know, as part of self-care. And most importantly, accept who you are. You're that special person for a reason. Everybody is unique in their own way. And that's all I had to say about self-care. Does anybody have any questions? Thank you so much. That was very informative. Dan, do we have any raised hands? We do not have any raised hands. We did have Nolan. Um, Can anybody reach out to Nolan and make sure he had his hand up for a little bit? And I've noticed he is no longer here. So if someone can reach out to Nolan. Um, I think I heard a hand raised. Mary has a hand raised. Mary's hand is raised. Hey, everyone. I absolutely love your guys' programs. I listened to the one a few weeks ago about sleep. And then I like this one too. Um, It honestly does tie into mental health um, a lot. And I'm someone who's, you know, I'm just going to be candid here and just say I have, um, I've always had um, very, very severe depression. Like not just, oh, you know, situational. No, mine is constant. And it's been that way for years and years and years. The issue I'm facing is I have a very conservative family who you say, oh, I'm depressed. Or in the past, when I have had suicidal thoughts, they'd say, oh, you just just get over yourself. You know, you, you, you really don't feel that way. You're just saying that BS. And it's like, what do you do? Because I, well, I basically don't feel like I can talk to them. And so I don't. And I feel like I don't really have many people in my circle to talk to because you either get the super conservative view of, oh, you're just, you're just BSing or you get a view of, oh my God, I'm going to you know, send you to a psych ward when you don't even feel suicidal, you're just depressed. And it's like, I don't even know who to talk to anymore. I have a really good therapist, but when it comes to friends and family, <laughs> so... Sorry. Thank you for sharing that, Mary. I mean, it sounds very devastating to have people close to you react like that. Either they're overreacting with it, saying you need to go to the hospital or underreacting, saying it's not really a problem, get over it. Um, Yeah, that's just so hurtful. And, um, you know, we hear that a lot from people we talk to. um, And that's largely why people call hotlines, I think, when they feel like they can't open up to friends and family, people don't quite understand. Um, One thing I try to tell them is that there's a difference between people not understanding and not caring. And in the moment, it might feel like they don't understand and they don't care. It might be that they don't understand and they don't know how to help. Um, I try to empower people to tell your friends and family what you need in those moments, you know, to say, I don't need you to fix anything. I don't need you to, to say or do anything. I just need a hug or, um, you know, some, I just need you to listen. I don't need you to tell me what to do, you know? Um, and if you still can't get a positive response from friends and family, um, certainly reach out to a hotline if you need it. There's no shame in it. Um, like Shannon and Rachel said, we're available 24 hours a day. Uh, it's completely confidential. And we get people from all walks of life that call us. Mary, thank you so much for sharing. And Liz, Sharon, and Rachel, the first thing that popped in my mind when the three of you were talking is as a respiratory care practitioner, When I do action plans or treatment plans with my asthmatic and COPD patients, we have red, yellow, and green. Um, So maybe develop a care plan for yourself that when you're feeling, you know, a certain level of depression, like a yellow, um, you can list three to five things that you do. And then when you hit that red zone, um, you know, list three to five things that you can do. So you have more choices than your immediate family, which Mary, I'm, I'm sad, um, but I understand where you're going through because my mom um, does not understand, um, you know, it's tough it up, you know, uh, shake it off and move forward. And there are times where you have a moment and you have to take that moment and assess it. And it's not easy just to move forward like everyone expects you to do. So I think it's important um, like Rachel and, and Sharon and 
Liz, have shared to come up with an action plan for yourself and be your self-advocate. And that's the way the fire department used to be also. When you go on certain calls, you just shake it off. Hey, keep on going and look at all the successes that you've always had. Do something that you know that you can do. Let's say like uh, if you love to cook, make something that you know how to cook and you cook well or um, depending on what it is. Do something that you enjoy. I think it's important that we um, share the national hotline one more, uh, as many times as we can. And uh, that Eugene, I, I hear your hand is up. Um, you also wanna... have a phone number ending in one five five. Okay. Awesome. Um, can hand we was repeat the national suicide crisis yes. number? Yes. It's 1-800-273-TALK or 1-800-273-8255. Uh, it's also affiliated with the National um, Veterans Crisis Hotline. So when people call that number, there's a long prompt that asks, are you looking for veteran services? Are you suicidal? Um, so you have to listen to the prompt to get to the right number. Um, but it is available 24 hours a day. And uh, it usually will lead you to the crisis center that is nearest to your phone number. Um, but you might end up talking to someone halfway across the country, depending on the um, availability of the crisis centers at that time. So, you know, as a crisis center that works primarily in Louisville, Kentucky, we get people from all over the country that we talk to. Wow. Thank you so much for all you guys do. Um, who's next out of the two, Dan? Okay. Phone number ending in 155. I think that's Melody. Yeah, it's me. <laughs> um, Can you rename her, Dan, I, please? Thank you. I've attempted nine to 11 times. I lost count and I have like four or five psychiatric disorders. And I just want to say, please don't be afraid to use that crisis hotline because a lot of people think they'll call the police on you every time you call and they'll say, no, I don't want to use it. They will not. They'll try to talk through, talk you through it before they have called on me a few times, but it's either been after I've attempted or after if they can't talk me out of it and they've saved my life. And it is very hard because my parents don't get it. My whole, you know, family really does not get it. Even my cousin that's an RN. So, um, and I am in a lot of emotional pain. And sometimes you'll find that that hurts worse than any physical pain. So um, I just want to be here for anyone that's going through anything because it helps me to help other people. And it makes me want to live. Melody, thank you for always being so open and honest with the community and sharing your darkness with us to bring light. Um, we really appreciate you and thank you for always being a part of our call. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay. Who's next, Dan? Next is Eugene. Eugene. Good afternoon. How are you doing? Good afternoon. Hey, Eugene. Well, I, I agree with what uh, they're saying because uh, I've had to deal with some people that had uh, crisis problems before being in the military and law enforcement. And the biggest thing I, I agree with, you have to find somebody that's a listener and not somebody that wants to try to solve your problem, but somebody that's a listener and somebody that uh, uh, will understand and listen to you and not uh, be, uh, oh, what's the word I want to use? Uh, judgmental. Yeah, judgmental. Yeah. <laughs> but there, there's plenty of people around. Uh, you just have to find the right ones. If it's not your family and it's not your close friends, it might be somebody that uh, you may have just met uh, or that you may have met through one of these calls. But, you know, there's people that are willing to, to talk. Uh, I got a friend of mine that uh, he's tried to commit suicide a couple of times, and uh, I've talked with him. He calls at least once a day, sometimes 2 o'clock in the morning. Uh, just uh, the BS, and, and I think it's helping him. It's keeping him from doing what what he he may be contemplating, or you know he could be putting on. But you know, I I take it as he's being serious. So, yeah, um, thank you, Eugene. There are a lot of people who struggle with thoughts of suicide on a daily basis, and especially and, the military mm-hmm. or retired yeah. military. Yeah, that's a high risk group right there. And um, it's so important to have people to talk to. Um, we have a handful of people who call us every day um, because they don't have anyone else that they feel like they can go to for support. So, you know, there is no shame in calling a friend every day or calling a crisis hotline every day. It's important to just reach out and have someone to lean on. I've got members of my council that are, are by themselves, and I try at least once a week to call them to see how they're doing. 
And that, that helps if you got friends, uh, call them. If you haven't heard from them in a week, just give them a call. Say, hey, I'm just thinking about you and want to know how you're doing. Well, that's another thing. I think, Rachel, we might have had, um, we talked about for reaching out to help somebody, um, like sending a card or, um, you know, a nice little email or a phone call, just any kind of communication that lets them know that you're thinking about them, you care about them. Thank you, Eugene, so much for sharing and all you do for your Pinellas County um, FCB a chapter and everything you do for national ACB and especially what you do for the state of Florida. Um, thank you, Eugene. So that number again, um, for everybody, if you don't have Eugene's number that will take it at two in the morning, or you don't have my phone number um, or Jay's, or you just, nobody's answering, just know 24 hours a day, Seven days a week, that includes all major holidays, 365 days a year, is 1-800-273-TALK, 1-800-273-8255. Any other hands up, Dan? Yes, Nolan's hand is now raised. Nolan! Hey, Nolan, I apologize. We saw your hand earlier, and we just had to get the show started. So I'm so glad you came back. How are you today, Nolan? I'm a little frustrated. Oh, I'm sorry, Alan. Nolan. <laughs> Nolan. Sorry, Nolan. I I don't like getting yelled at by my sister. I don't think anybody liked to get yelled at. I'm, uh, I'm totally offended, and I wish I could get some help and, and support help. And I tried to explain. I wanted to try to explain that I am my own guardian. But she shouldn't have to yell at me. She's 12 years old. And she shouldn't have to boss me around. So, Nolan, I hear what you're saying. And I would like to talk to you about this. Right now, we're being streamed on ACB Community Radio for the next 28 minutes. After that, we're going to go offline. And I will be on the line with you for as long as you need to talk about it. Is that okay? Can we do that? Yes, please. Okay. Nolan, we're all here for you. Okay? We are all here for you. Yes, we are. Rachel, Sharon, Lisa, is there anything you can say to Nolan for right now? Yes, Nolan. um, There's plenty of supports here for you on this call and just in general. Um, You know, if you need anything, uh, I don't know if you guys ever do any breakout rooms in your Zoom meetings, but... um, We've offered that before in other trainings that we've done that um, if you need to break off and talk to one of us individually, we're here. Okay, so that's that fancy Zoom stuff. Um, So we're not going to do that today, but Nolan, please stay with us and we're going to keep the educational, simple questions rolling. But as soon as we get off stream, let's, we're going to focus on you. Okay, Nolan? Okay. Just hang out with us, okay? Hang in there, buddy. Big hug. Big hug. Um, Dan, is there any other um, hands up? There are no hands raised at this moment. No hands raised. Okay. Um, I want to take this opportunity to share with the community um, my experience with suicide. Um, I've had it in three different ways. Uh, One is as a healthcare provider in a major trauma center, um, having to help resuscitate a 10-year-old that had a anger, yelling competition with his mom, and then went into his bedroom where he hung himself with her um, house coat hanging off of the bunk bed, and she found him. And the note said, you made me angry. Um, The other things I've experienced is unfortunately, um, and Sharon, please correct me if I use the wrong terminology, um, but attempted suicides that caused um, more devastation. In other words, they took a shotgun and half of their face came off. And so they were breathing through a ventilator for the rest of their life, or they became paralyzed. Um, There are so many of those incidents that I can share with you that I don't want to focus on. But what I do want to focus on is we need to stay focused on our emotional health, and then our mental health. To me, those are two different things. Um, Emotional is very in the moment, kind of feeling. You don't need to disregard your emotions because those are not right or wrong. 
those are yours and you need to embrace those emotions and work through that moment. But then with the mental health, we have our mental illnesses and, you know, we're not in the moment of time right now to have a professional here to help with diagnosis of that. But it's so important as we keep these calls going that the most valuable player on the team is yourself. And if you feel that things are emotionally or mentally not correct, it is so important to talk to your doctor and say, you know, the other day I was laying in bed and I thought, what would it be like if I never woke up? Would someone miss me? Do I need to? This world is chaotic. This world is messy. And I'm tired of the pain. Those kind of thoughts are so important to share with your healthcare team. And again, it's important that if you have an instinct of a thought, um, I will share with you on December of 2019. Oh, that was just last year. Um, I had just broken up with a boyfriend, my first blind boyfriend since I was blind. And it was crazy situation. And I had nobody to talk to. And it was 2.30 in the morning. And I went to take one of my medications. And I was like, you know, I could just take a couple of these and just go to sleep and not have to worry about anything anymore. And in that second, I went right over to my phone because I had the phone number on speed dial because of the patients that I helped with it. And I called them and they're really there at 2.30 in the morning. And I talked to my crisis center uh, for about an hour, hour and a half. And of course, um, it was just a moment. It wasn't um, like Melanie called and shared. Um, They didn't call the police or anything like that. We just talked. We just talked for an hour. And um, every day, every day they called me for a week and they're like, how are you doing? I'm doing good. It was a moment. And we talked and we talked. But the most important thing is, is they said, when is your next doctor's appointment? And at my next doctor's appointment, I talked to my doctor because as most of you guys know in the community, I'm a newbie to this new world of mine, of vision loss. I was fully sighted 2020 till September 26 of 2017. So not only am I dealing with uh, the loss of my vision, it's the loss of my profession, the loss of so much that I have lost. And I felt that I was overwhelmed and I was tired of fighting for anything and everything and feeling alone. And I just want you guys to know that no matter who you are, what you are, please call 1-800-273-8255 or 1-800-273-TALK and they will listen. We talk about important. Yes. Every single one of us is important. And if you even have the thought, even the thought, please make sure you check in with someone and talk. And when we say we communicate, like Eugene said, it's not just about talking, but it's the wonderful thing of listening as well. Or sometimes, um, I don't know if Janine's on here. Sometimes we just tell each other because she's a newbie too. She just lost her sight a year ago. We just yell at each other and say, you need to be my tree right now. (laughs) And sometimes we just need some of each other to be a tree. Um, Jay, I was going to ask if you had anything to say, but I think I heard a hand go up. Yes, Melody's hand is up. I was wondering if we could talk a little bit while we're still on the stream about crisis intervention training and the police dealing with someone who is suicidal or actively psychotic or in a mental health crisis. Because I myself have had some pretty frightening experiences with the police. And I would just like to speak to that a little bit. So, or someone. Okay. 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 Um, Rachel, Sharon and Liz, um, do you think that's a call that we should do separate or is that something advice that you have? I can talk a little bit about, um, we're based out of Louisville, Kentucky, and we have, we're fortunate that, um, our police at Louisville Metro are all trained in crisis intervention. Um, so, Uh, they're all supposed to be trained in it, but whenever we um, tell people to call the police for a suicidal matter, we always ask them to ask for a CIT officer specifically, just in case anybody didn't get the training yet. Um, So that's something people can ask about 
around the country, you know, ask your local police department if they have CIT training. And what are those initials? Yeah, Crisis intervention training, CIT. Can you repeat that again? I interrupted. It's CIT, crisis intervention trained. Um, So I I know we have it in Louisville. Um, I don't know like what other police departments do, but it's something you can advocate for if your local police don't have it Uh, because everyone should have training in suicide prevention. It's something that um, within the last couple of years has been recognized as a public health problem, not a mental health problem, but public health. Uh, Because as you said before, it's something that affects people all over the world. Um, So uh, you were even talking about people going to the primary care doctor to talk about, about getting help for mental health issues. Um, a lot of doctors and nurses nowadays are being trained how to talk to people about suicide. So um, reaching out to anybody really is is good when you're feeling that way. Um, and another thing I could say about the suicide hotline, it's not um, strictly a suicide hotline. We get people that call us just needing to talk, just needing some support. Um, like I said before, when you when we think about suicide, it starts with thoughts and it ends with actions. We want people to call before it even gets to that point. You know, we want people to call when they're having a bad day before it gets to the point of thinking about suicide. I know we have a raised hand, but real quick, I want to ask um, one question to our panelists. The support out there for someone who has witnessed suicide, um, you know, because once someone does die by suicide, it's like a hand grenade goes off. There's so many people that it affects. Is this a number that someone that's having reoccurrent situations or the grief or the guilt of why didn't I ask this question or why didn't I see it? What resources are out there for those? I actually had um, a call like that this morning. Sorry, Shannon. Sorry, you're going to hear my child yelling. Um, We're used to that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, But yeah, I actually had a call this morning from um, a teacher that had a student who lost a sister to suicide. And so um, I've talked to people who have been survivors of suicide, but there also is, at least in Louisville, I think it's a national group, Liz. Mm -hmm. Yes. um, But there is a survivors of suicide group where people can get connected to other um, people who have lost loved ones to suicide and help to process that grief. And we certainly can talk to those people as well. Okay. So I I was going to say, I think, I think Jay mentioned 211 or maybe Terry, you did. Um, But if anybody is interested in learning about survivors of suicide, it's a support group uh, led by people who've lost someone to suicide. And um, you could probably call 211 and ask for information about your local group. Yeah, Jay, you mentioned 211. Um, can you inform the community about 211? 211 actually has, for if you call that, they'll have poor financial help on different topics. So your best bet is actually try that number, see what you get, because I don't want to, um, because every county or every area is going to be different. So I don't want to say this might be there and they don't have that there. So yeah. Um, so there's 911 for medical emergencies, fire, and police. There's 411 for information. And then 211 is an option out there for financial resources. Is that what you're saying, Jay? Yes. And okay, awesome. Because that's also a big problem right there alone. Yeah. Financial stuff. Well, as they're saying with this um, new world that we're in right now, um, there's a lot of homelessness that's going to be occurring. Okay, so again, let's share the national 24 hours, and it is totally, totally private. Um, This information is not shared with anyone. It's 1-800-273-8255 or 1-800-273-TALK, T-A-L-K. Dan, do we have any hands up? Yes, first we have Mary, but we also have someone who hasn't talked yet, Sheila. Oh, can we please, Mary, um, have Sheila talk who hasn't had an opportunity yet? We'll get to oh, you, yeah. Mary. No, that's totally fine. I can, I'm happy okay. to wait. Okay. Sheila. I think my question is quick, but I wanted to point out that um, here in the San Francisco Bay Area of California, we have a 3112, which is a not, not 3112, but like 311 also, <laughs> which is a, which is a um, 
community uh, line. Our two one one is pretty comprehensive, um, but three one one is, I think, more local based, and it's not even everywhere. But I had a question. Um, I was diagnosed with diabetes in two thousand three, and I've been blind all my life. The joke I made to the doctors was, "It can't take away my eyesight. It's eyesight too late." Um, but I was with a friend at, I went to the ER because the clinics were a mess anyway. Um, and so I went to the ER because I'd been having troubles and I knew something was wrong and, um, they, they diagnosed it. And I said that I had to go to the bathroom and she took me to the bathroom door, which I normally have people do, but she went inside with me and I'm like, what are you doing? And she said, well, they told me I should look after you. And I kind of went, you know me better than that. And she said, well, they were afraid you were going to do something or hurt yourself. And I just kind of went, what? And it hadn't even occurred to me. And I was kind of offended by the assumptivity of it. Is this, um, is this something doctors do? Or did she kind of say that on her own and think that on her own? Okay. What was the person there for? That you were helping? No, she was helping me. No, no, no. But you, you helped went to some... the ER. Who who was the patient in the ER? You or your friend? Me. Okay. What what Jay is trying to ask? Go ahead, Jay. Okay. Okay. You were the patient. Once you become a patient, um, they got to make sure everything's going to be okay. Okay. We're going to um, until because especially in ER. You can pass out for all kinds of reasons. You can, so someone's going to go there until they're, if they, until they feel that you're okay by yourself, that you're stable, they're going to have somebody right there with you because you're not on a, let's just say a bed that's got the side rails up because as soon as somebody walks away, those side rails go up just in case something were to happen because they're responsible for you. That's the reason why. And also, um, depending on, you said you went to the ER and you felt something wasn't right. Um, did you tell them, you know, your chief complaint was yeah. you weren't, your body wasn't feeling right, right. or were you yes. experiencing? No, I, I, was, I was, I was clear. I was clear about it. Okay. So it's basically what it is, is when you're, especially with a diabetic, you know, until they get your glucose and your blood pressure and your labs back, it was just for safety. Um, it may have come across, um, in a different I avenue. They had told me that and not made her tell me, first of all, and I wish they'd have been brave enough to say it themselves. Well, I apologize for that experience you had. Um, unfortunately, in the ER state, um, I know there's a lot of classes that I've helped design to help in- improve patient um, satisfactory in the ER. And one of them is clear communication of what's going on. And when things are kind of hectic, um, we do tend to be short. And unfortunately, it's the patient that experiences that. So I apologize. Um, but, you know, always say, what do you mean by that? <laughs> well, or, it was you know, my friend so, that told me that. It wasn't the yeah. doctors. So I didn't even have a chance yeah. to ask them. And since they didn't talk to me about it, I, I didn't know if yeah. I should go back and go, what are you doing? <laughs> was your it's sugar low, high or low? Huh? I, it was high. Okay. So Mary, I want to hold this conversation more, um, but we are getting close to the top of the hour. So I just need to check in with Jay. Jay, is there anything else you want to say to our ACB listeners on community? Don't forget, talking to somebody saves lives. Because just like you do for CPR, that saves lives. Listening and talking to somebody also saves lives. And I think we need to repeat that number once more time because that way people have that. Okay. 1-800-273-TALK. 1-800-273-8255. Okay. I want to go through our panelists and see if there's any last minute um, advice or recommendations or last minute things to say. Uh, Well, thank you for having us here today. Um, I just want to say, uh, like Jay said, um, you know, don't be afraid to talk to someone, ask them if they're having thoughts of suicide, if you see concerns in someone else, and don't be afraid to ask for help yourself if you need it. Shannon, Rachel, do you want to say anything? Um, I wanted to say, make sure that you're taking good care of yourself. 
always make sure you prioritize your own physical and mental health because what good are you to someone else if you're not at your best self? Oh, and I, I said uh, the other day um, when talking with Shannon that I think of it like um, if you've ever been on a plane at the beginning of the flight, the flight attendant tells you uh, in the event of um, you know our losing oxygen level, masks may fall from the ceiling. They always tell you put the mask on yourself first before you put one on anyone else because you're no good to anybody if you pass out. That is 100% correct. Um, one quick question, though, that I have for the three of you. Um, are you uh, volunteers? Um, are you in a paid position? What is your team role as part of the crisis centers? We're all staff counselors, um, but we also, um, I think, had been volunteers at some point. Um, our center is one that usually brings in staff that have been volunteers for a while after going through the training and showing that dedication to this kind of work. Um, but uh, our center is one that requires uh, 40 plus hours of training before anyone even talks to someone on the phones. And, um, you know, hopefully you all will find that the crisis lines you reach out to have similar training, you know, that um, the people you're talking to are, you know, know what they're doing, that they've been trained in suicide prevention. Um, of course, there's not a standard that crisis lines have to follow. So if you talk to one that doesn't meet your needs, feel free to call others. You know, we've talked to people who've called all around the country to get us because they couldn't find anyone else that they felt like really supported them. So, you know, if, if you don't have a good experience the first time, keep trying. Don't give up hope. Oh, so Liz, um, what if there's somebody on this line that's like, you know, I want to become a volunteer. What do you recommend? How what's the first step? Well, um, you should reach out to find your local crisis line. That's probably going to be your best bet. Um, like I said, you could find that information from 211. Usually they have information about local crisis lines. Um, 411 might even have that information. But uh, yeah, see what your local crisis line offers. I also know that um, the crisis text line, the one that Rachel mentioned, that they accept volunteers and um, their training program is excellent. Uh, I don't know if they're currently accepting volunteers, but you could always text them to find out. It's um, text home h-o-m-e to 741-741 okay and that's home 741-741 yeah okay well on that note i want to take this opportunity to say thank you to um lisa sharon and rachel thank you so much for all you do for all of us in this crazy world that we're living in and being there for us uh, Jay, thanks for being my wingman. You're doing awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, Debbie, thank you for being our streamer. Dan, awesome hosting powers you have. Is there any more raised hands? Okay. There are none. On that note, I'm going to say, everybody, please make sure you take care of yourself. You're the most valuable player. You're the MVP. And keep talking, keep walking. And next week, we're going to have a very interesting call. We're going to talk about medical emergencies when you're cruising or flying or what happens when you're at 30,000 feet and you have chest pain. So on that note, everybody, have a wonderful week and we'll see you next Wednesday. Same Take time, care. same place. And those of you that want to stay on and talk, please stay on till Debbie says we're off stream. <laughs>